bodies and represented in art when you go to an art gallery or museum. Mm-hmm. So um, there is this sort of idea of representation that um, is important for both. Yes, and, and definitely how each of those kind of shape then our, our thought process after. So thinking about the male gaze as far as uh, the, the female body being a, a way of, or a sort of way of celebrating uh, showing the female body in a certain way um, is also, you know, that we consider sports to be a celebration of the body or what someone can do with the body, what is possible with the body. And I think that that is a important, similar, for, or sort of an older, what feels like a dated and older approach to, to producing visual art as far as the male gaze goes, but also very, very relevant to how we sort of exalt and celebrate the bodies of, of athletes very regularly. Yeah. And I feel like for both, there is something in common as well, which is this idea that, um, we assume a lot of things. I feel like we have a very subjective relationship with the body in, on any given day. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we have a subjective, you know, um, by subjective, I mean, uh, there are some tons of, um, ideas that you, that you, that you extra- extract from, you know, representation that you extract from your own body that you might not even be aware that you think, you know, so, you know, Say, for example, um, talking about the NBA and when you have, you know, tall guys and they're muscular and they are, you know, they're fit and they're fast and they jump really high and they do all these things. There are all, all kinds of ideas that you take away from this, from, from, the, from the bodies that are performing these amazing things that you might not be, you know, you might not be uh, necessarily aware of that, you know, mm-hmm. um, so when you're talking about muscular, um, powerful men doing things, um, there might be connotations that you might not be necessarily, you know, um, absolutely aware that when you're watching something like that. Um, when right. uh, Ray enters a conversation as well, that's another thing. You know, when you have powerful black men performing these things, um, there are all kinds of assumptions and all kinds of ideas that you know one might have that are just not at the forefront, of, you know, at anyone's mind. Um, and in art, it's the same when you have a, a you know, say a, a painting of a female and a naked female, there are all kinds of ideas about women that might not be, you know, the first thing that you think about when you look at it. So it's important to talk about those things. Right, and that the context of the events, whether this this um, painting is in a gallery where it seems that seems an acceptable place to be viewing a naked woman, that seems um, sort of culturally up to snuff about like what's a lot you're allowed to do, versus you know, and also the same thing in a basketball game. It's like when when is this? And because the majority of at least in the NBA. The majority of the players are African American. What we are necessarily comfortable with, the bodies doing in, and what we want to celebrate there, versus what we're comfortable with on a day to day basis when we're walking down the street. And I think that's a really important distinction to make, and a really important thing to recognize in order to adjust our mindsets. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I th- um, oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Carry on. Oh, I was just gonna say that. I think when we're talking about the body and because I have come to believe that both sports and visual art translate our greatest social issues for us, that we see the things that we're dealing with as a society on a day-to-day basis that, that we're up against, we see them translated through someone else's mind, through someone else's body, or both, either on the court or on the field or hanging on a gallery wall or in a museum, we're seeing the translation of these issues, whether it's very obvious or not. I think that, that we see race uh, play out on the basketball court, basketball court race play out on the, on the baseball field. Uh, we see um, artists all the time, poets, performing, performance artists, visual artists of all kinds taking the issues that they feel most strongly about and and responding to them through their work. So 
if it, it can be it can be kind of hitting you over the head with information or it can be more subtle but i believe that yeah. both both of these mediums sort of take on whatever we're dealing with as a society absolutely and so i think that so much about what we work through in what we're dealing with right now um as far as what we're up against as a as a country is is about bodies is about sort of whether we're scared of what's going to happen to our own body we're scared of what someone else's body can do to ours uh this desire to control someone else's body uh by by putting them in prison uh this desire to control someone else's body by shooting them and I just think that it's important that we connect the dots to to sort of acknowledge uh, what's at the root of of many of the the, the issues that we have. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, exactly as you say, I feel like it's all a matter of context, right? And um, there are people who have us believe that things happen in a vacuum. Everything is, you know, all, every tragedy, such as, you know. Um, the shooting at the synagogue um, is is this you know morsel of 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 a, a tragedy you know something that something that happens in isolation and something that will never happen again and something that has nothing to do with the wider issues that we're going through right now um, and there are some people who have have a very have have a lot of interest in making you trying to make you believe that this is an isolated incident when it's really not <laughs> it's really Completely. part of the conversation and um everything in um in art is the same thing as well like so in the same way that we express ourselves um we, we express difficult issues um in a in a, in a similar way um uh, tragedies and problems are also stemming from a wider context of issues. Right, and I, I think that I just felt so um, when I heard or read about what had happened the other day at the Tree of Life Synagogue, I it felt quite unsettling and upsetting and extremely familiar. I think I had a similar uh, feeling when the church in Charleston uh, was was when Dylan Roof shot all of those mm -hmm. people yeah. uh, in Charleston and also when at Sandy Hook uh, in Newtown, Connecticut when um, that elementary school was was all those children and teachers were shot. I, I just, it just feels like the same sort of sinking feeling of, of having empathy for the people that are experiencing and also this, this fear of not knowing, never, never knowing what is possible mm -hmm. and, and what can happen very quickly to, to, to your body or someone else's yeah. and this hatred of other people's bodies, how they look, how they are behaving, what their bodies can do, what you're scared their bodies can do to you is very, uh, destructive. And I might be saying things that are extremely obvious. I mean, I think they're obvious, but it's just, it seems so much about so, so much about our history seems about controlling people's bodies and yeah. that can be uh it it just i'm trying to unpack this so that we can you and i at least can figure out a way to to handle this uh, i mean there's no way to handle events um like this and i think that one thing that all of the three of those I'm not sure why those three shootings have stayed with me the most because there's really horrible awful shootings happening daily 
Um, but I think it's because there's this vulnerability level to what was happening, this elementary school where the children were quite, right. quite young, uh, this church where the shooter was invited in, and then on Saturday, uh, a baby was being named by a rabbi. And yeah. um, that's just, it's so, so awful that there's no, there's no safe place. And I mean, yeah. I think that I might, I mean, I know that there's no safe place and I've known that for a long time. It's just, uh, it's just, there's no words and it's, it's awful and it's excruciating to, to think about that happening again and knowing that it will. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think that the thing that is upsetting, um, Obviously, it's a, it's a it's a it's a tragedy, and I think the thing that is upsetting is the fact that they happen in places where we're supposed to be safe, right? Where yes. people, on all these cases, people went to places where they knew uh, people would be vulnerable, that people, um, you know, specific kinds of people they they were looking for 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 some twisted reason. But um, I think it's very upsetting because these, these these are places, you know, especially the church and the synagogue are places where people, you know, congregate for something very innocent, right? Um, very, uh, yeah. Um, and, and not to say because... To imagine I... Oh, why. sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, please. Yeah, it's just difficult to imagine, um, you know, someone thinking that they are... Um, yeah, the reasoning behind this, um, but I think it's especially difficult because they are supposed to be places where people are supposed to be still safe, right? And um, that adds to the paranoia that we're all uh, feeling at the moment. You know, like if it can happen here, it can happen there, and and so on. Exactly, and I I think um, that that is that's a big a huge part of, of, of what is occurring is just that it puts us on such a, such an anxious way. I mean, I know that I think about getting shot and I don't think that I just, I know that maybe I had a very, uh, well, I was maybe eight years old when the Columbine shooting occurred. So it's been a part of my head. It's taken a broom in my head for a while that I could be, that I could be shot. Uh, mm -hmm. And I had just started college when the shootings at Virginia Tech happened. So I think that it's been a part of my, the narrative inside my head. I just think that it becomes sort of, it starts to inform how you behave or how you act or the, the, the regular thoughts that you have in your head. And I don't even listen to the news constantly. I mean, I'm not a junkie for the news or anything like that. And especially when something like this happens, it seems so quickly that there's just, everyone has a right and a, I mean, there is a clear right and a wrong as far as the, the victims and the, the, the murderer, of course. Yeah. But it's just, there's, anytime you read an article or if you look on Twitter and you look at the comments, it just gets so awful so quickly. And I'm like totally preaching to the choir, I know, and I'm sure everyone else knows that Twitter is just such a um, nasty space a lot of the time. So I, uh, I just, there's no comfort in the news. I mean, there's no, sorry, there's no comfort in the digestion and understanding and wanting to wh what how do we where is the community space it's on twitter and what happens on twitter it's it, you don't know what's happening on twitter because you don't know if the person is real or not and if they are real then it's even more awful because they're saying yeah. such things or whatever so yeah i just yeah and then there's all, I, yeah go ahead please go ahead sorry yeah, no, I'm just, I was just saying, you know, just a quick comment about Twitter. I think it's just, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure many people are familiar with this sort of idea that, you know, one of the biggest problems with social media is the fact that, you know, you, you're kind of skipping the empathy part, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so when you're, 
and whenever you feel like all these people saying these horrible things, they wouldn't be able, you know, even, you know, their brains wouldn't be able to be so um, forthcoming in, you know, saying horrible things or or saying uh, outrageous things or or just being awful in general. Uh, they wouldn't be able to do it if they were in person talking to you, like as exactly. a person. They wouldn't have the courage to do it. And I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, moral sort of upstanding. It's just like your brain functions differently when you don't have necessar- you know, necessarily the, the, the immediate uh, consequence of what you're saying. You can get away with saying nasty things without, you know, suffering from it because... You know, you you created a fake account, or you know, even if you got, you know, no one's going to come knocking the door and say, "Hey, why did you say that?" And I feel like that kind of creates a very bad atmosphere in general for for you to, you know, if you're trying to connect with um, real people. Because I feel like, you know, one of the biggest problems I think is just this lack of empathy. And then you can maybe even say that the lack of empathy is the problem, but um, it's definitely exacerbated by these um, these environments where you're just not able to, you know, it's harder for you to be empathetic. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a tough cookie. Yeah, it's the most brutal form of prank calling someone. I mean, it's just, it's you can, exactly. you can sort of take on another persona. I mean, you can do anything that you want and, and not be worried about actually having to what the consequences of your language is or anything like that um exactly so i just i just and even i have found and i know you you don't have i mean you go on i'm not sure what your social media situation is exactly but i know you try and like stay away from it for the most part which i yeah uh, my social media situation is it's quite uh, slim. I'm not. I'm trying. I'm avoiding. It's, That's great. It's complicated. Um, so I also think that I think that there is power in posting something on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, sort of saying what you think and and sharing that and and taking a stance. I think that's great. I just I. I also think that that still, at the end of the day, kind of leaves you with your phone and leaves you with mm-hmm. with your computer and that there's not always this way of this back and forth or this dialogue. And I really, uh, I don't know if that's the most effective way, effective place to have conversations about, about these issues. And I think that yeah. the fear, just the fear for each other, so the fear that I have about what could happen tomorrow to someone I don't know is not easily acknowledged or it's not easy to acknowledge that because it's so much easier to think about what could happen to my mother, happen to my father or my sister uh, or whoever. And it's, it's much more difficult to to be scared of what could happen somewhere else that means that this is ongoing, that this is an ongoing problem and that if I, even though I wasn't in this particular, involved in any direct way in this particular shooting, it's still, it's still so much a part of my existence. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the sort of the, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just, I was going to comment on this and say that it's really hard, you know, in a way it's also, it, is a place to, you know, the internet is a place for you to find comfort and 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 strength in in, in numbers and in you know and talk about issues and you know if you find the right people, but it's also where all the nasty is, right? So it's very difficult to balance the two. But at the same time, I feel like we're so much more open to whatever is happening because we have so much more access to it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, obviously that's not, that's not just the internet, you know, it's just our society or like kind of a culture of wanting to know everything as soon as possible and, you know, and not, it's hard to even find time to digest something normally, you know, regularly in a, any given day because our, the pace of everything is so, um, 
exacerbated. We were going so fast. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's. It, 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 I feel like that maybe the answer, and I'm not a specialist, you know, like of, of course, but I think maybe the answer is just being a, a bit selfish and kind of like you know taking taking yourself away, taking your time, thinking about what you can do. And, um, yeah, making sure that you also look after yourself and everything. Um, right. Yes, and, and I, I agree with that. I think that there's also this, and I don't know if this is twisted or where, where this comes from, but this, like, desire to kind of want to be as close as possible in person to the event rather than through the computer, if that makes sense. Right. So if I... Mm-hmm. So I either want to not know that this horrible thing happened or I want to be there and I want to not not be there when the shooting was happening, but I want to, to witness and, 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 and be present for, for the pain right. that is felt because of this event, whichever event right. it is. I also think yeah. that as for me, religion does not feel like a vulnerable entity. It feels... So the, the people that are practicing the religions, whether it's Judaism or Christianity, whether it's in Charleston or in Pittsburgh, they feel vulnerable to me. But religion, I, I feel as though has divided groups of people probably just barely second to how racism has, how, how white supremacy has, uh, and is also another way of saying you're not like me and that's that's a problem right. so as much as i i just don't feel that religion is a vulnerable institution at all and so <laughs> and i and i just the practicers of the the religion feel feel vulnerable to me in this in this way if that makes sense yeah. yes yeah absolutely i i understand Yes, I when I when I lived in New York, I had it was the the shooting at um, Sandy Hook Elementary had had happened. This was in 2012, and I just decided to go there because I felt so just upset by what had happened. And mm-hmm. when I got there, there was just this huge pile of stuffed animals and this woman that I didn't know, you know, she said hello to me. And then I kind of walked into this tent where these, all these stuffed animals were. And then I started crying because it was just, you know, it's all these stuffed animals had been sent from all over the world to sort of commemorate the lives of, of the children and, and the teachers. And she hugged me from behind uh, this woman that I didn't know, she, you know, kind of walked past me a little bit and then she saw I was crying and she hugged me from behind and I held on to her while I cried without seeing her and really knowing her. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that, that I believe that that those stuffed animals, like that was organized by a church. Members of a church had driven up. I forget what state they had driven up from, but I ended up talking to that woman later and, and, I think that religion can be such a comfort and such a a place to to go in in darkest times, but also just we we also I I think that I have to acknowledge that what religion has been a part of since the beginning, which is sort of also control and saying who's good and bad and saying who's right and who's wrong, and sometimes saying that based on how they look, many times saying yeah. it based on how they look and that's just also quite problematic. And I think that to, to get through this, like also acknowledging the role that, that religion can play. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like both are, you know, there is no right, you know, there is no right answer or wrong answer. Both are correct. And that's, you know, they're both right. They're both true. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely the, the internet as an inter intermediary with the issue in myself that I find really disturbing. Uh, yeah, I feel like, the, I mean, I wonder, again, I'm not a specialist, but I wonder what it's doing to us in that sense of like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I think of uh, Susan Sontag's um, photography mm-hmm. um, 
series of, of essays. And, That's a great shout-out. Everyone should read that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, uh, well, she, she mentions this idea of, you know, she ponders whether or not photography of tragedies or war crimes in the spec that's back in the 70s right um mm-hmm. she pondered whether or not it helped right because she one one of the things she's saying is that because we were so used to seeing tragedy on a on a photograph that kind of desensitizes us as if you know as if it makes it less real um in our sort of you know in our hearts or in our brains right. um and i feel there's something something to that um there's something to that when when we talk about um being connected all the time and and, and experience every experiencing everything through the internet um you know i caught myself doing that the other day with the bombing with the uh bombing suspect sending um um platforms and a mail to figures in a Democratic Party. Yes. Uh, that also happened very recently. Um, and I I was traveling, I was away from home and I caught myself on my phone kind of trying to find out what happened. And so it kind of it was sort of like um, you know, I'm eating a burger in another city and I'm looking at my phone and I was like, I wonder if they caught that guy yet. And they did. And then I was Googling his photo and then I did find how he looks like and then I found a video of them arresting him and then I found a sort of a, a profile of everything that he has done uh, and said and the places that he has been and you know I don't know like it, it made me feel bad because I was kind of interested but very casually like um it's a horrible thing that happened, um, and it's very troubling. And I'm not saying that I'm less troubled, but I'm saying the the way that I approach it kind of feels like entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like yeah, it feels like entertainment, and I feel like that may have a negative impact on how we react to these kinds of things because, you know, for one, you can't just keep up with everything, right? You can't. It's. I feel like there is. There is a limit to the human ability to care about things, um, and we care about things in different ways. Yes. Um, and certain things affect some people, certain things affect some other people. But I, I feel especially if you're not part of any sort of group that is, you know, it, because of this lack of this economy of attention, um, I feel like maybe some people don't don't really care enough I don't know. <laughs> I can't. No, I, yeah. yeah. I, uh, it's, it's just hard to, to imagine that we can, you know, give undivided attention every time something like that happens. And, and I feel like it's in part because we're we're hearing about it, but we're not there. We're never there. It's never there. You know, it's always it's some the point never there away. is so scary because it's never there until it I, until I feel it's here, until I know it's Absolutely. here, until I am maybe the a part of this part of a shooting Absolutely. or someone that I love deeply is part of a shooting. Like, I think that that is such an interesting point that we're never there. And it's, it's, we, it, it just, I think it also creates this idea of ranking and comparing tragedies, yeah. which I also of think course. is just so difficult yeah. and hard to do because so we have this shooting that happened in Kentucky where two people were shot at the supermarket and right before then the shooter had tried to get into a predominantly African-American church. And it's like, well, two people were shot there versus 11 people at the synagogue versus this versus that versus it's just, it's, it's, and I think that that is the problem is that it's just, it's so where do we put our, what are we appalled by? What are we disgusted by? And then you put so much energy into talking about one thing and then it's this other thing though is happening and maybe this other horrible thing is happening down the street from you while you're googling the face of the the guy who sent the bombs from Florida you know it's just it's how how can we how do we take this on I mean I think you you have to pick of course what your what your cause might be or what you care about and and how you want to express your feelings but I think 
it's just really important to acknowledge the the suffering of of the suf- the pain of the the families in Kentucky is the pain of the families in in Pittsburgh. I think Jefferson Town, I think is the name of the town in Kentucky. I don't want to not say the name, but it's that that pain is the same pain and if we can feel each other's pain then we can feel each other's we can move past this it's it's not my problem or there's so many problems I don't know where to start um it's really hard to know what to do like okay but what do I do right you know all of these things are happening but what do I do and I think I think it's very um upsetting because we're kind of at the mercy of of the sort of barrage of things happening um, and being sort of, you know, sort of jumping, not only happening, but like sort of jumping on their faces in a way that has never happened in the history of humanity. But I think it's important to feel like, to understand this from a, I, what, okay, I'm going to share my kind of, my, my strategy. Yes. <laughs> like, uh, the way that I sort of deal with it. Um, I think one step um, it's to understand that this is a very this is a very crazy time that we're going through. This is a very difficult time we're going through. Never in the history of the, the humanity we've been in a situation that we are right now. And I feel that I'm not saying that everything is okay, or not even that everything is going to be okay. But I feel like it's important to understand that there are no there are no solutions to the problems we have because we never had these problems before. Um, it's really hard for us to understand what what to do and where to go and how to deal with it because um, these are new problems. And I feel like, you know, one of the things that I have hope, you know, I have hope that understand by understanding that this is a this is a different set of problems that requires a different set of skills. Um, I can maybe try and, you know, we can all maybe try and figure out ways to make it better, to solve some problems, you mm-hmm. know. You know, and that is one one of them, that is including how do you, you know, is it really feasible for us to keep living in the way in which we know everything that happens, you know, 20, 24-7, you know, is there is there a way in that we can have a healthy relationship with bad news? Um, say, like, for example, as, as you're saying, like, you know, by, for example, going there, you know, if you're able or if you can do it, um, there are, so. There, I think there, there is, there is a playbook of solutions that doesn't exist yet because we, we, those, those, those problems are very new. Yes. And I even think that my decision to go to Newtown was, uh, I, that was a privilege to be able to go there in a sense, because I had the day off work, I, you know, could afford it financially, I could just, I had no other responsibilities, I was just able to just say, okay, today I'm going to go get on the train, I'm going to go to Connecticut. And that's also, it's a privilege to be able to show up for anything like that. But I mean, it just, it's, it goes, it's just so much tied into like what we can do with ourselves and where we can place our bodies and where we feel comfortable placing our bodies. And the fact that both my parents are originally, well, my, both my parents grew up in Connecticut and that I feel that often the way that my body is seen that I wouldn't be sort of, um, feeling like an intrusion on, onto that, that situation necessarily. I mean, I didn't take any photographs. I was just, I was just there to, to be there. But I think that also just acknowledging that that the freedom that I felt to go there is also a privilege because of who I am and how how maybe I look. And, and that's also a, a thing that I think is important to acknowledge that goes back into sort of fear of, of what could happen to us, where it could happen, fear of, of what could happen to us because of, of our bodies and how our bodies look. But not how our bodies look, but how people perceive our bodies. Yeah. And I say our, but I don't, I don't necessarily want to make this about me, but I'm just, I'm trying to take on this problem of, of 
fearing someone who does not look the same as you as as a problem that even though I don't always feel that that directed towards me that it is also my problem to solve or or to help solve um absolutely yeah I feel like you know in the same way that yeah, I feel like maybe, you know, maybe it's because the internet gives you a false sense of security, you yes. know, that, that you're sort of far away from everything on the internet, um, and you don't realize it happens right here. Um, but, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I feel like the, the end goal is definitely getting to this point that everybody understands that this is a problem, understands that this is a problem that is for us to solve. It's not just a horrible thing that happens out of the blue, somewhere far away from me, it's no, it's some, you know, it's something very wrong with our very, with the very foundations of our, of our society in the sense of it's very specific and it's very real. Yes, yes. And I think that just trying to be as honest as possible about maybe who you are as an individual, who I am as an individual. That, that there are huge differences and using our relationship or whoever's relationship, just as an example, just acknowledging that we come with these different perspectives and these different understandings is, is so important than to then lead to actually being able to discuss some of these, it, the issues head on, uh, which I, I think is, is quite difficult if we're not willing to sort of be honest about our our place in the world or what we understand our place in the world to be or the place that we have been given. And I just I I just it's really important for me to say that I'm 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 very scared. I mean I'm I'm not someone who's saying I mean I'm not saying that I'm I'm scared for everything or I'm scared of the future or what's going to happen or we're devolving. I mean, of course I'm scared about those things in abstract terms, but in general, I think about getting shot and I think about running away from a shooter. I think about hiding. Uh, when I taught last semester in Louisiana at Southeastern, I thought about where I would tell my students to go. And I know I'm not the only teacher that does that. I know I'm, I'm for sure because I know some schools have trainings and some schools acknowledge that this is an issue and some schools yeah. provide ways to, to uh, training for, for teachers and stuff like that. And that's, I'm not saying that Southeastern should have done that, but I certainly thought about, okay, I'm, I'm in charge of this classroom. If yeah. I need to be able to help people as much as I can if something was to happen and I just think that that's such a I mean it, it's not that I don't want to feel that responsibility it's just that it's just so scary it's really really scary and you just never know because it's not like things are exclusive to this sort of these types of mass shootings are not exclusive to one part of the country, one state, one city, one neighborhood. Yeah. It's just there's, it's they're ha they're everywhere, and it's almost feels impossible to to just protect yourself or to to find any sort of security in in what is happening right now. Yeah, I feel like yeah, you're right, absolutely. I mean, you know, I feel everybody who has been, you know, especially after just after a, 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 a shooting, everybody that has been in a crowd, you know, in the movies or, you know, in class, you know, I think a lot of people think about those things. And I think we're all sort of somewhat um, worried about something happening. Um, and, you know, from my perspective, it's interesting because I'm, what, what I think one of the things that is very bad is that, we're we're just sort of treating this as if it was a fact of life, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's something very sad about just treating this as if it was a fact of life, as if it was something routine procedure that you have to think about. 
right? I think I think I, again, not not an expert, but I feel like we all, in everybody, you know, that is worried about these things. One of the things that is very upsetting is this idea that is happening. And it's happening in the first place, and it's so common, and and it feels like there's nothing that we can do to stop it, right? But it feels so wrong. You know, it's not a random earthquake or a, a, a natural tragedy to which, you know, there's nothing you can do. It's no one's fault. You know, there's something fundamentally wrong about just the idea of having to worry about you. Um, and at the same time, it feels so, um, you know, a lot of people feel just powerless to stop it, right? Because it could happen anywhere and there's nothing you can do and, you know, things are going to happen seemingly without consequences. So, um, very upsetting, for yes, sure. But just... I feel like we all feel like there's something wrong with that. You know, like we all feel like there's something there's something that needs to be done and we're, we're kind of not sure about what we can do and what, you know, who can do it and how we can uh, solve this problem. Um, what, why, what what makes someone does do that? Why do they do it? What what were they thinking? Um, I feel like that kind of gets, you know, thrown off by the wayside very fast, and there's no there's no time to sort of meditate and, and, and yeah, dialogue about it. One of the cases for me that is very in, interesting how that kind of disappeared is the case the the shooting in Las Vegas that mm-hmm. happened last year. I think, or two years ago. Can't remember. Last year. And uh, there's no motive. Like there is not. I mean, we don't have a lot of information about why it happened. We were sort of supposed to just, um, yeah, accept it. You know, yes. accept as a part of. It's now. This is now part of your daily. Um, Coming and always, you know, you may be subjected to this happening to you, and there is no, there is no, there is not even sort of a lead into a possible reason. Um, and so it's very hard, you know, this for me, maybe I'm talking about myself, right? <laughs> very possible. Down well, that's myself, all we can do. <laughs> for me, <laughs> so for me, I mean, I get, I get much, I feel much better once I have an idea of why things happen um and even if i'm powerless to stop it i feel like knowledge kind of just suits me in a way um and um yeah i feel like we don't even have time or energy or desire to go after that kind of thing anymore um you know the fact that this happens and no one wants to know why it's sort of really weird to me it's just really weird Yes, yes, and I think that it's, uh, it's, we're very quick to say, oh, that guy is just messed up, <laughs> um, yeah, rather and I than feel there like being is, more. Yeah, this is like the, the explanation for everybody, but how is it possible that this is, like, how is it possible this, that this hasn't happened, you know, so often, as often in the past, and how is it possible that this is just now a thing that happens all the time. How is it possible that it doesn't happen in other countries? How is it possible that, you know, there are so many questions, so many questions. Yes. Yes, and I I was thinking the other day when, on Saturday when this happened, when the shooting happened in Pittsburgh, I was thinking about the families in Las Vegas, of the people who were shot in Las Vegas, and just wondering, yeah, their pain is still very much there. And I mean, it's just yeah. that, that when I was trying to, when I was empathizing and, and thinking about the families of uh, the people from the synagogue, and, and that includes the police officers that were shot, uh, and of course the 11 people that were killed and, and, and the people that were injured, that, yeah, it's just like this, this thinking just about how, how, this pain is so ongoing and it's it's not ending and the fresh pain is ongoing and the the old pain the older pain is still so much a part of so many people's lives on a day-to-day basis and how yeah it just it's so so hard to wrap your head around for the record 
I'm a visual artist, you're an art historian and a curator, so uh, we don't know what we're talking about scientifically <laughs> or <laughs> data or anything. I mean, these are just our feelings. It's really important for me to acknowledge that this these are our feelings. And, yeah. But that also, just to emphasize again, I know we talked about this at the beginning, but that the body is at the center of this. And my my anxiety about what's happening is because I'm scared of violence on the body. I'm scared about hearing it happening to someone else. I'm scared about it happening to myself. I'm, I just, that's what this is. And the body is just so much at the, at the center of, of all of this and so related to sports, so related to to visual arts, so related to visuals in general and how we understand each other, try to understand each other, all of that. Yeah. And I just think it's really, it's important to acknowledge. And it's also, I also want you to come back on the podcast to talk about Serena Williams. Okay. In relationship to to Claudia Rankin, we will, and, and her writing, and we will, we will follow up about that. But I'm so glad that that you got to come on and, and that we got to to talk about all of this together. All right. Well, um, I'm glad to talk to you. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to keep doing this. Great. Okay. Well, we'll talk soon. And... Yeah, for everyone listening out there, if you want to uh, study up for when Glauco comes back on the podcast, uh, we're going to discuss Citizen, an American lyric by Claudia Rankin. And we're not going to discuss it like a book club because that would be boring, maybe, I think. But we're going to use it as kind of a, a guide to talk about what happened to Serena Williams earlier this year at the U.S. Open and sort of the, the history there of of whose anger is, whose anger, whose frustration, who's, who gets to fight and who we allow to fight for what, for what they want and, and, and in, in the context of uh, the Supreme Court uh, confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh and just mm-hmm. so, sort of what, what we expect and allow and want and find compelling from people and, and how the way they look sort of affects all of that so that's what we're working on and yeah thanks so much Glauco oh my pleasure okay talk to you later bye bye thank you listeners for tuning in please share rate and review the podcast I will be back here soon with a new episode and please do not forget to vote on November 6th